Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. My name is Luke Navarro. And I am a learned jack who entertains. Oh, I'm, I'm Mike... Named? I'm, I'm Mike Perna. Gotcha. I'm sorry, we were doing character creation I, for our Numenera game. Like, I was going to say, has somebody been playing Numenera? It feels like it. Yeah, literally like an hour ago, I was rolling characters with some people for our Numenera game, so that is why that happened. <laughs> well, today, as we uh, as you roll characters and we record episode 89 of the show, it is Black Friday, and I happen to see a Numenera Black Friday bundle. Yes. Going on. I think there's also a Kickstarter Numenera going on for Numenera 2.0. There is a there is a glorious there is a glorious Kickstarter for uh, Numenera, and I would say that if you wanted to get that system, but either you couldn't do the Kickstarter or you got into it too late, you wanted to get the book. Granted, it is a little pricey at the lowest level. Is the lowest level besides the one that's just for hey, if you like Numenera, here's a box for you. Uh, the next lowest level is $80, but oh my goodness, if I didn't own it already, I would be I would be in on this Kickstarter because the stuff that you get for 80 bucks, it's going to look glorious. It's going to contain content, apparently, that I had to pay extra for, but uh, no, it, it's really, really good. Definitely check out that Kickstarter. I believe it will still be running when this episode goes live, so I'm not just blowing smoke there. It is a quality product that you should check out. Speaking of Kickstarter, just this last week, I backed a game. Uh, it is actually Board Game Geek's first mini-game that they are publishing. It's called I Hate Zombies, and it is essentially a crazy party game in which you attempt to kill off your friends who are zombies by playing an elite game of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? The Kickstarter comes with two. So guess what I'm going to do, folks? Once I get the Kickstarter in hand, which of course is um, nebulous. Eventually. <laughs> it could happen at some point, perhaps. Uh, I'm going to give one of them to you. And by you, I don't mean you, Mike. Yeah. I mean you, those who are listening and my voice is going into your ear holes right now. And uh, we'll figure out how to give that away. Um contest-wise or something um, when that happens. But yeah, so that'll be coming. So if you're interested in a, a game like that, a little party game, go check out I Hate Zombies on Kickstarter as well. Um, but yeah, you know, it's Black Friday. I'm going to guess, just going to guess, that Mike Perna, you did not take advantage of any Black Friday sales. Uh, <laughs> see, there, there are different types of people when it comes to Black Friday. There are the people who go out and make sure that they're camped out overnight to get the absolute best deals. There are the people who go out like in the afternoon after the mad rush has already been through saying, you know, there's probably still something left. Let's go. It'll be fun. And then there's me and people like me who would rather just stay at home and build a couch cushion fort until everything goes away. <laughs> I, I definitely hear that. I didn't intentionally take advantage of any Black Friday deals, but I think I may have bought one or two things over the last day that were pre-Black Friday because now we've renamed Thanksgiving as Black Thursday. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, we're, we're not... Yeah, I'm not... Sarah Hale is rolling over in her grave somewhere. Um, but, you know... That could be uh, this whole actually, episode right there, and we're not doing that, so... Yeah, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. However, I did have... One Black Friday, uh, we'll call it a Black Friday special release that I did take part in today. Okay. And that is the new The Force Awakens teaser trailer. Yeah. It hit today, uh, supposedly in like 30 theaters nationwide or something ridiculous like that. But doesn't matter because we have the internet. The internet. <laughs> and by the way, folks, there's a fake one out there that basically cuts together scenes from Clone Wars and prequels and John Williams music and Ender's Game to make a <laughs> thing. That's not the right one. Did you get to see the trailer? I did. I got to see the trailer shortly after you told me it was available online. And is it Black Friday for another reason? Or is the Force with us? Uh, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I love the fact that they are rumored, and that trailer made it look kind of like it, 
they said that they were going to go back to using models to film this. See, I thought it looked awful CG. Yeah. That Falcon was CG. That Falcon was CG. The other stuff I but think... the, the X-Wings th- were freaking awesome. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> the Falcon was clearly CG because it was doing things that it just looked kind of sketch. But, you know, I- I'll-, I'll allow for it. If the rest of the movie looks awesome, as uh, the the X wings skimming the water was amazing. That was awesome. Absolutely, amazing. I, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, and you know what? They, they actually, I don't know. So obviously it's J.J. Abrams. So the comparison to Star Trek has to be made. <laughs> will there be lens flare? <laughs> yeah, there will. Um, but the way they've updated the look of the vehicles and the uniforms. Um, really reminds me of the way they updated for Star Trek, right? Yeah. You you had these designs that were like early '60s, I think. When did Star Trek come out? I don't even know. I was not alive. But you know that early Enterprise, and then of course we've had all these iterations since then, and they had to have that really sticky problem of going back and making the new Enterprise look like the old Enterprise because it was the old Enterprise, but not look like it was a you know, $2 model made by Tamaya, you know? Um, and the uh, they did a really great job in that. all the way. Yeah, they did a really good job in that that movie, and I think they're gonna do, they're doing a really good job. I really love the visuals in this. I love that it's dirty. Thank goodness it's dirty. No I, more Naboo. Thank I w- you. I will say that one thing that, I, there was a, a moment in this trailer which is Star Wars to me. And it's the moment where the voiceover is talking about the darkness and everything like that. And all of a sudden this guy, clearly a Sith, is walking through the woods. And he pulls out his lightsaber. And the thing, the, the freaking thing has a hilt. A lightsaber hilt? And I'm just like, that right there is the epitome of Star Wars. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's downright goofy. But man, is that awesome. <laughs> yeah, I really hope there's a scene in which he's hanging off a girder and accidentally cuts off his own hand, you know? Yeah. Uh, because that, that thing's dangerous, man. You're going to cut your hand off with that thing. And the second I saw that, I'm like, like, that is goofy and ridiculous and pointless and fantastic. <laughs> like, okay, so the only thing that bothered me about it was the first few seconds. You know, a guy wakes up like a... Like a scared, yeah, scared stormtrooper, and I know he's going to be basically the hero of the movie, one of the heroes of the movie that's kind of already been leaked. The unnamed girl, who is probably going to be named Kira, I think, is uh, probably Han Solo and Leo's daughter. I'm down with that, but the the scared, sweaty stormtrooper, like he woke up from a bad dream in the middle of the desert, a little weird. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure where that one's going yet, so we'll have to wait and see. Well, I mean, it was it was definitely a teaser. It was definitely, hey, look at this cool thing we're making in the world you like. Yeah. So I, yeah. yeah. So I don't know anything about the movie, but I am excited. So it it did its job. So other than watching the Star Wars teaser trailer, which I did at like you know two seconds after I woke up this morning, the other thing I did, we did today was as a family went out and uh, you know bagged us a Christmas tree. Oh, we look went at out you. to. Wiley's Christmas tree farm, like we do every year on the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, cut her down and strapped her to the top of the Jeep this year and uh, brought her home and put up a Christmas tree, and uh, out of the corner of my eye, I could see my nicely lit Christmas tree. My puppy is sleeping here beside me, and uh, it is Christmas time. Now, now the new puppy, does the new puppy do Christmas tree? Uh, the Christmas tree is on the other side of the puppy's gate. Ah. (laughs) Because the cat lives by the Christmas tree. And the puppy loves the cat a little too much. A little too much. Right now. (laughs) Um, And so she's a little overwhelming for the cat. Uh, And so, you know, we just wait. If the cat wants, the cat can jump the fence. The cat wants to jump the fence and come into puppy land. That's the cat's problem. But if the cat wants to go on the other side of the fence and be safe from the puppy she she you know, he can do that uh so uh yeah but it's uh, it's a nice you know we made the transi- transition i'm listening to christmas music now i found the 
Christmas XM radio station, and uh, I've got my my redneck Christmas music going. Um, so tis the season. Yeah, it was it was fun because my wife had never ever watched the Thanksgiving Day Parade until this wow. year, and so it was really kind of fun because that was you know that's one of our traditions for since way back. You know, I'm one of those guys who shakes his fist and say you can't have have. Uh, Christmas yet, Thanksgiving hasn't happened because for the longest time, my youngest time, daughter feels very strongly about this. Most most of my childhood, you know, my mom would be right there. So we can't do we can't do Christmas until Santa Claus has come on the Thanksgiving parade. Mm-hmm. Then we can do Christmas. If he okay. hasn't shown up yet, then we can't do Christmas yet. And that has been so ingrained in my psyche that I was like, oh, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Well, we went over to Thanksgiving with my parents and my wife is sitting there and she's excited. We turn on the car. Christmas carols are playing. She goes, ah, too soon. I go, no, 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 no. We're legit now. We're legit now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, because of the, the Thanksgiving holiday and also because I've been doing a lot of driving back and forth for, uh, some organizations I work with, uh, over the last two weeks, I've actually haven't played very many games. Uh, I've only got in one like actual physical game over since the last episode, um, but I have you know when I when I don't get access to the physical games, I kind of start to Jones a little bit, you know, <laughs> um, and so I have done a little bit of virtual gaming uh, via iOS and some stuff on Steam. Uh, but have you played any games? Did you do anything with your family or anything like that? Over the, well, you said you were. You were prepping for Numenera today, so I know you. Yes, something. we've we've done a significant portion. There's a couple, the one guy uh, apparently came down with a sudden case of family. Mm. Uh, apparently, lots of family decided to descend upon their place like this morning, and so he had to, to cancel tonight. But we've got three of our characters rolled up, three out of four, and I'm going to work with the fourth guy. Uh, other than that. Because of the fact that the holidays are what the holidays are, and I come from a family of not gamers, yeah, I have not been able to play anything. My family, for some reason, wants to, like, hang out and talk. Oh! Yeah, so, no, we haven't played much of anything at all. At least on my Thanksgiving, I got to jam on the banjo, so that's something. But uh, the one game I did... The one game I did get to play uh, this week is actually a really good game for the situation you were describing right now. Okay. Like, you're together with family, family's not gamers, and you're like, ah, you know, just talking and chatting and watching the game and eating too much and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and that's Holiday Flux. There's now, a holiday version? It's the new this year. Um, uh, for those who don't know, and then if you've listened to the show at all, I'm sure you do, but just in case, uh, Flux is a card game where the rules of the game are constantly in Flux. So the, the base rule of the game, the first rule of the game is you'll draw one play one. Each player gets three cards dealt to them, and then each turn they draw one play one. The cards, uh, consist of, there are four types of cards, uh, some of the, uh, the other Flux games, there's a number of skins, if you will, of Flux. Um, but, uh, in this version at least, and also in the basic version, there are four types of cards. Uh, the first are called Keepers. Uh, you keepers you play right in front of you, uh, and you collect Keepers in an attempt to match the second kind of card called Goals. At any given time, somebody can play a goal, and that is the current active goal in the game. You're trying to match your keepers to that goal, but anybody can play one of those at any time on their turn and so they the goals change or they're constantly in flux. In addition, there are new rule cards. Uh, new rule cards are uh, change the rules of the game. It may be come draw two or maybe play three or you may get a hand limit of five or because this is a holiday game uh, there are special rules if you're playing on Thanksgiving, if you're playing on Christmas, if you're playing on Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever. Um, and then uh, there are, let's see, uh, I guess there were five kind of cards. I said four. I was wrong. Um, there are surprise cards. Surprise cards are unique in that you can play them even when it is not your turn. 
and they do things. Like, for example, if somebody puts a new uh, goal down, and that they're going to win the game with that goal, and you have the surprise card that says, nope, I don't want you to use that goal, you can interrupt them, play that card. And then there are action cards uh, that just do weird things, like draw two and play them immediately, no matter what they are, or trade hands with a friend, or steal somebody's keeper, or whatever the case might be. Uh, this one is holiday-themed, so you get stuff like, you know, if you get the turkey and side dishes and bread, and the, you'll match the goal of the feast. Or you get the Christmas tree and the wreath, and you get the garland goal, you know, things like that. Uh, but it's a really silly, fun game that even the a young kid, as long as they can read the card, even a young kid can figure out... Um, and yet it's not nerdy gamey, and so people in the family who maybe would look, look at some of your gaming hobby, your gaming wish list on Amazon, and think you're a little nutso, they'd probably be willing to play this game. Yeah, Flux is always a good time. I will say that there's one version that I would love to get my hands on just because of who I am, and that would be the Monty Python Flux, because... The cards actually give you like bonuses if you can recite lines from the movies <laughs> awesome. or, or sing songs from the movies, and I I dominate at, at Monty Python Flux. But yeah, no, they're they're all unique in this. It you know they're unique like all the other ones. They're all a unique experience, but there is enough of that underlying theme right. of the mechanic that will carry through all of them. So if you do like one kind of Flux. You're probably going to like all the other kinds of Flux. I will say, though... Assuming you like the theme. Flux is not for everybody. It drives my wife mad because she does not thrive in chaos. And so she's just like, what is wrong with you people? (laughs) It is... uh, You have to be goofy to play this game. And if you can't be goofy, drink some whiskey, then play this game. You'll have more fun. (laughs) Or eggnog. That is now two episodes in a row that you've you've recommended getting drunk and playing a game. I did not recommend getting drunk. I said have some whiskey. Not all the whiskey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and Jesus made grape juice, sure. Yeah, well, hey, look. You know what? And if you're going to have the whiskey, have Maker's Mark. Or above. Okay? Don't don't waste your time with anything below Maker's Mark. All right? Get the good stuff. It's not worth it. So, man, it is Christmas time. And we thought that rather than doing the traditional best of year, which we'll be doing next episode. We'll do that next episode. (laughs) (laughs) This episode, we do our Christmas list. Uh, The Game Store Profits top ten things that we want for Christmas, which are actually five things times two. There are two of us. There are two of us. So... Do we have anything we need to say prior to this? Um, we are not asking you to buy us these things, but if you did... If you did, I wouldn't turn say. it down. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, we like you, and, uh, you know, if you buy it for us, then we'll play it with you. How about that? There you go. So, Mike, what is your number five thing? The thing that you want the least, but still want a whole bunch. The reason that number five is my number five is has nothing to do with the quality or anything like that. It's an amazing thing. However, it's not a game so much as a gaming accessory. Gaming accessory. Right. right. There is a a company out there called The Broken Token. And they make amazing laser cut inserts for every type of game known to man. Nice. And one of the options that they have... like Normally these are inserts in the truest sense of the word. If you get the box... With the crappy plastic insert that it comes with, you can put this thing in the box instead, and and it'll keep everything separate for you. What I'm talking about when I say that my number five thing that I would love from the Broken Token, they actually have designed mostly for uh, LCGs, which I am now a subscriber to two of. Dun, dun, dun. They have like a suitcase looking thing, like a wooden box that looks kind of like a, an attache case with wooden dividers in it. And if you if you throw out a little extra money, they'll actually like engrave that box for you. Hmm. And oh my goodness, if I could get 
Like, I have a box for my, my Netrunner cards, and I probably will get one, a small one for my Doomtown cards. But man, I would love to get one nice wooden box with wooden dividers to break all that stuff up and have both these games in this really nice box from the Broken Token. It is amazing. That's cool. So it's a generic card game, like living card game, collectible card game, whatever box. It's not like specific for, it doesn't have divisions in there or anything like that. No, no, it's not like you have like named dividers. It's all just keeping the just cards separate. Dividers. So it it is designed to be able to fit any type of card game. Uh, they specifically mentioned Dominion and Netrunner by name. That must be a big box if it can handle Dominion. Yeah, it's it's a fairly decent size. Well, I'm looking for it to hold Netrunner and Doomtown. Okay, I'm looking for a decent sized box. So, but so what's yeah. this thing run, give or take? Uh, if you get the, the box, if you get the box and the insert, because yes, technically they're separate things, it's about a hundred dollars. Did I mention that they engrave it and that, that all the, the dividers and everything are all laser cut? There's a reason why it's on my Christmas list. <laughs> and they are actually wood, right? Yeah, they're actually wood. This isn't like cheap cardboard or anything. This is wood. This so is So you'd probably want to have your card wood. sleeved. Does it fit sleeved cards? They they say it does. Okay. Yeah, because you definitely want... I You know, with wood, that'd be a little bit... And there are some people who would freak out a little bit about that. But I think if you sleeve your cards, you'd be just fine. Yeah. No. It it looks gorgeous. That is definitely an excellent Christmas list item, dude. Because you're never going to buy that for yourself. No. I, there have been times I've just stared at it and, like, wanting to click it. But there's no way. But, man, the Broken Token, they make quality stuff... And to throw out just for them in general, uh, if they make an insert for a game that, that you own and you love, dude, get their inserts. They are so amazing and they are so good. And if you just want an insert to stick in a box you already have, they're really not that bad seeing as they are wood inserts. They're like they, – they range depending on the game – I think most of them are around like twenty to thirty dollars for like nice wooden inserts. Yeah, you know, and some games these days I think are getting better at that. Yeah, but a lot aren't. But a lot aren't. You're absolutely right. And I gotta tell you, the whole like fifteen little baggies oh, really gets annoying. I can't handle this. Okay, I would rather just have a dump and sort later than having to have everybody put things into baggies. Because to me, I think the baggies actually lead to more loss. Oh, yeah. You know, because when you're just sweeping everything into a box, but when you're trying to sort it there, things get lost, they bounce under the table, they, you know, they roll away or whatever. Um, But something like this, I think, could accomplish both. Because you don't have, you're not trying to stick them in the stupid little Ziploc top bags. Yeah, no, I, I am all for gaming inserts if you can pull it off because yeah i mean they have to be perfect though you know and it sounds like this company does a really good job with them because they can't miss you know it can't sit a eighth of an inch off the bottom or everything's going to slide around right you know it can't kind of be a little bit cattywampus it needs to be perfect and i think it's kind of cool that you know, laser cutters now, they can do that. You know, they can just CAD design the whole thing and produce it probably in a fairly small space, maybe even a house that they're doing it in. I don't know. Maybe they have a business space, but that's really awesome. Yeah, definitely check them out. I'll, I'll When I post this episode, I'll put a link to the Broken Token to make sure that you guys can see what they're up to. Nice. What about you, Luke? What's your number five? My number five is a game we've actually talked about on this show. Uh, it's the game uh, that came out this year that I enjoyed the most, and that's called Imperial Settlers. I knew that was going to be on your list. Uh, Imperial Settlers is, um, well, it's a civilization-building game, uh, in a sense. Uh, It's a, I'm going to use a new term that I just learned this week, an engine-building game, thank you, Dice Tower, where you are playing buildings, you have two different levels of buildings, you have your standard common buildings, and then you have your civilization-specific buildings. Uh, you build your tableau out in front of you by, by playing cards, and you build synergies together, and those synergies end up 
building, uh, getting very powerful by the end of the, the game. There are multiple ways to to achieve victory. Uh, there is a little bit of interaction with other players through uh, some some just really minor uh, warfare conflict kind of things, where you can destroy uh, just one one of their buildings, uh, and you generally have by the end of the game, you probably have twenty or thirty buildings out in front of you, but you can kind of disrupt some of their synergies using the attack mechanism. Just a really good game, and a game I can see them them continuing to produce uh, uh, new civilizations for uh, the kind of game that I love. I love <laughs> thinky, buildy kind of games where you are really working on putting together your engine, your your ability to synergize and build faster, bigger, better things. Uh, and because it's a card game as well, it's still got a little bit of randomness in, in it, uh, which is pretty cool. That was my number five, Imperial Settlers. Mike, number four. Number four is a game that hopefully, uh, it's been a while since I've, I've talked to them, so I don't know what the situation is, and I'm not expecting anything, which is why it's on my list. Uh, there is a game, you know, Luke, you and I have talked about it a lot of times. People will come up to us when we say that we're doing uh, mini- ministry related to board games. There's always that same question, especially in churches. What's a good Christian game that I can play with my kids? The answer Jesusopoly. The answer has always been either a sarcastic answer like that one, <laughs> or none of them. You play none of them because they're awful. Why would you waste your time with them? Until now. Until soon. Soon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a, a game is a game is coming out in the very near future called Kings of Israel, and this is it's hard for me to explain all of Kings of Israel. It is basically pandemic kind of a, like a strategy game of pandemic in biblical Israel. Can I be honest? With prophecies. With you? Can I be honest with you? When I first heard this game was coming to existence, I completely dismissed it because of exactly what you just said. Right. Like, I, I didn't even care to look. Um, that's how bad the vibe is. But uh, this is a game that's definitely on my radar, and I would consider buying. No, it, it has some really, really interesting mechanics. Yes, there will be stuff that, if you're not a Christian, the, it'll be really awkward and, uh, what the heck is this? But there I don't are some think really, so. I don't... I mean, let me be a little clearer... It it's just a it's nothing like offensive or or oh my goodness I can't believe but it's like okay whatever sure like right. there's nothing I I mean there's nothing that would excite me about this theme if I wasn't a Christian well I I don't know I don't think that's fair because we play game I played I talked about a game last episode Cyclades it's really not right. that different this is a solid historical setting so first off let's explain that it's not specific it's not about the Bible. No. Though there, there, it is very biblical. It's about right. ancient Israel. And uh, one of the, the mechanics, and I think probably the one that you're maybe sort of alluding to, is the turn order is based on the kings of Israel. Right. So, you know, when you go back and you read Chronicles or Kings, uh, and, you know, there's those lists of names that you're just like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> so boring. And but basically on all of them they say this is either a king that served the Lord or this was a king that that, that was didn't. bad, and um, so each of the kings in this game are either good or bad, and on those turns good things happen or bad things happen. Um, but I I the, love I love the prophet the way they do the prophecies. The prophecy is that's going to be the thing that makes this game. What happens is that you'll you'll draw the card. And it'll say, I forget what the actual term is, like there's the card will say something, and it will say how many turns until this thing happens. You know, think of every prophetic book ever. When it says, you, you have, you know, I, I'm coming here to tell you this, if you do not change your ways, bad things will happen. Uh, you then take that card and f- put it face up in the deck that many turns from now. So say it's like uh, five turns from now, Every every spot that has a sin cube on it is gonna 
get a golden idol. Right. Flip, so, flip, you know. Yeah, so uh, we, I guess we didn't completely mention, but it is a map of Israel, very much like a map of the world in Pandemic. Uh, there are sin cubes. Sins spread, very much like diseases in Pandemic. Uh, though there is only one kind of sin. Uh, the the thing that makes it a little bit, that makes it, differentiates it from Pandemic is that there are two more powerful types of uh, location or items that go into locations golden calves and altars and as you can mind, probably can imagine golden calves when they go off really bad stuff happens and altars when they go off really good stuff happens and right. so you are fighting sin and I love this idea that you're tracking along with these kings you kind of can't control the kings you don't I mean you know whether the next one's going to be good or bad but it's just that's preset, uh, and you get either blessings for the good kings or curses with the bad kings. Um, I haven't gotten to play it yet, obviously, because it's right. It's not out, uh, or maybe it's. I, I will say that that yeah, I have. I think it's on a boat with, right now. I've gotten in touch with guys over at Funhill Games, and I've been told that I've been put on a review copy list. I can't promise that or not. Hey guys, Future Mike here for a super quick update. Past Mike might not have been able to promise that he was going to receive a copy of Kings of Israel from Funhill Games, but I can. While we're still working on the scheduling, not only will you be able to hear us talk about this game, expect to hear from the game's designer on the podcast in early 2015. Now, back to the show. I will tell you this much, if I don't get a review copy, I'm buying it. Right. Uh, it is a, it was a, It was a Kickstarter game, and so you guys should know that right now, there are, last time I checked, there were about 200 available. Yes. And that's it. Okay? This is the Kickstarter print run. The only reason any are available is because I guess they had some overage in the production run, which... Right. I don't know. They made it sound like that's a pretty normal thing when games are printed. I didn't know that, but hey, whatever. And so there are a few, literally, last time I checked, 200 or so available. And when they sell... <laughs> Who knows whether this game is going to be available again. I think it probably will be, but no guarantees. I, I will tell you that if I have anything to say about it, I will tell everybody about this game because I need at least one game that I can point to when these people say, what's a good Christian game I can... Please, please let this become a big deal. Right. <laughs> I want I totally a good game that. to point to for church folk. But yeah, no, Kings of Israel... Whether I get a review copy or I go out and buy a copy, I will somehow get my hands on this game and expect to see, expect to hear me talk about it on the podcast, expect probably to have me write something up on the site, on the Inroads site. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this game some more. Oh yeah, we definitely will. Because, you know, in 89 episodes, we've never had a game that hit our niche within a niche. Right. Ever. (laughs) Right. So this is this is a big deal for us here on Game Store and over on Inroads. Oh yeah, I yeah I I will I will definitely be looking into and I hope Funhill keeps making games. They're they're good guys and I really I really hope they keep making good games. Yep. All right, Luke, number four. My number four is a game called Colt Express. <laughs> I haven't I actually wondering... had a chance to play Colt Express, but I want to play this game. Especially with my family, I think it would be a whole lot of fun. You make uh, a train. You make a train. You do. Uh, so the game is You Are Train Robbers, which I suppose is probably not the um, most, uh, you know, game store profitacious kind of uh, kind of game. But it's a silly little game uh, that is played on a three-dimensional train. So apparently when the game comes, you have to build these little trains and... The, they kind of remind me of like circus animal trains, you know, where they they they, have, they got the open sides, which I guess they're probably bars on the circus train because it would be really bad idea to leave the lions in an open can- cage. But so you can reach into the the train, uh, and you can also play on top of the train. And the idea is, it is a programmed movement game, which you might think I would hate because I hate programmed movement games. Um, But this one's a little bit different. I'll explain why. Uh, What you'll do is you'll play your your movement. Um, Sometimes those moves are played face down. Other times they're played face up. 
just depending. Uh, each character has their own unique abilities. Uh, but what I like about these program movements is it's not like turn right. It's go right or left, up or down. And so you have a choice every time one of your cards comes up. So you're not going to get... Well, it's less likely that you're going to get uh, just completely stuck like you would in a game like Robo Rally. And the goal is to move throughout the train and pick up Rob, uh, the passengers. Uh, You're getting money or gems or a uh, briefcase that is protected by the marshal. The marshal is uh, kind of a a character that moves on its own, and if you get into it with the marshal, you're in big trouble. Uh, But his... His suitcase is worth a lot of money. Uh, along the way, you can either punch or shoot your opponents. Uh, your opponents never die, um, but what happens is if you get punched or shot, you get moved, and so that could throw off your plans with your program movement. You also get a shot card, a card that says, hey, I've been shot. And those cards, there's kind of a a deck-building, little mini deck-building uh vibe going on with those cards because they get into your deck and so now you start drawing these I've been shot cards and they're useless so you'll have less moves on a turn which I guess is to show that you know you're wounded or whatever Uh, it just looks like a ton of fun running around (laughs) on a train stealing gold shooting up your buddies and uh, you know like I think I need to have it because it's a little train, man. It's yeah, a train. This is one of those games where when I first heard about it, I go, really, are they really going to just sell an entire game based on the little 3D train? Because that it seems to me that a lot of the initial like gut punch, all right, let's, let's get this game, it's going to be awesome, was everyone was talking about the fact that it's the 3D train. Which, yeah. I've, I've seen it. It looks adorable, and I'd love to see it on my table. But the thing that I think is really good about this game is that it looks like... You're exactly right. You talk about the gameplay. It looks like it goes beyond that, oh, look at the cute little 3D train. It looks like it's a lot of fun to play this game. And even if you didn't have the 3D train, it would still kind of be fun. Right. And I think it's, it's not a heavy game by any means. You know, this is more... I, you know, I kind of think about this in terms of like a King of Tokyo level game. You know, um, I played Cash and Guns last week. Very similar kind of vibe uh, to Cash and Guns. And, it, and it, you know, in the same way that Cash and Guns has the gimmick with the little toy gun, this has a gimmick with a little train. But that's okay. It's still a lot of fun. It's not like, you know, a heavy arrow, but it's still a lot of fun. So I want this one. So that was Cold Express. Your number four was Kings of Israel. What's your number three? My number three is, oddly enough, a, a type of game that I don't normally play. But just the way this one plays seems so amazing to me, and I want to take it home. You need, uh, you're, you're asking for a Warhammer army, right? No, 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 okay. no not ever. <laughs> uh, I would, if, if I were ever getting miniatures, it would be War Machine. I've said this before, I will continue to say it. I, I don't as a rule like tile laying games. Uh, okay. The only one the only one that I own is Carcassonne, and that's just because it's Carcassonne. the granddaddy of all tile sure. laying games. However, when I first saw the tiles for Castles of Mad King Ludwig, oh, good game! I I wanted this game, and I love the the mechanic of how you get your tiles. This is not just simply, oh, I'm I'm just gonna pick up this one randomly and see where I can place it. This is, alright, you want that one? That one's going to cost you this much. And that one's going to cost you this much. And by the way, whatever's left over, I'm putting in the castle. And we're all getting points. That's how this works. <laughs> uh, basically, you're, a variety of rooms come out. Uh, one person will be the master builder. They set the prices for what the rooms you know cost for other people to buy. Uh, you then... Get yourself a tile and you add it to the castle and you get points for 
where you put the room, the size of the room, did all the entranceways and, and exit ways of your room get filled in. There, there's color matching on color, rooms. There's all sorts of different sort stuff. Of and by the suburbia time, in a way, since, you know, hey, it's the same dude. Right. I, I will say that one thing, like, you can say that this happens with Carcassonne, but really it's just a flat board that kind of looks samey. With Castles of Mad King Ludwig, you're looking down on a castle. Granted, oh, sure. it's a it's a cross cut flat castle, but I don't care. It looks awesome. It's, it's cool. It has a basement level and a castle level. It also has outdoor tiles, which is kind of cool. Yep. Um, I think I reviewed this game on an episode you weren't on. That could be because uh, I played it at a con, so I think I reviewed it on a special con episode. But a lot of fun, really good game. So totally worth a Christmas list. Yeah, that is that is number three on my list. So, Luke, what about yours? My number three is King of New York. Ah, yes. Uh, I absolutely adore King of Tokyo. I think it's a great game that basically should be in every, or should have been in every collection. But uh, this game it seems like it takes that to the next level. Um, there, I, I, initially, I was a little bit... I wanted to wait and see. Because I wasn't sure that the King of Tokyo needed to be taken to the next level. I thought that it had a really nice simplicity about it that made it really fun. But what I've been doing lately is I've been playing King of Tokyo with large groups, six people, a lot more lately, when I used to just tend to play with like three or four. It's a very different game with six people. And this game is... Uh, better designed for that kind of group. Um, I guess, just in case folks don't know, both King of Tokyo and uh, King of New York are pretty simple games in which you are playing uh, as giant monsters, uh, a la Godzilla and King Kong, um, and you are trying to take over the respective towns. In King of Tokyo, you have two locations inside the city, and monsters outside of the city. And basically, in both games, you are fighting between monsters in the city and monsters outside of the city. Monsters outside of the city all attack the monsters inside of the city. The monsters in the city attack everybody. And the game is played through uh, a dice-rolling Yahtzee kind of mechanic. It's fun, it's easy to understand, and I've never played with somebody who didn't like this game. Uh, what King of New York does is expand it so that you are moving through the, the uh, what are there, five boroughs? The various York? boroughs of New York City. Uh, um, you, uh, to get to Manhattan to be the, you know, the, the, the big boss monster in Manhattan. Uh, there are a few new dynamics thrown in there in that you can't just go crushing buildings and smashing stuff without the army showing up. <laughs> and uh, so the army shows up. You, you can smash buildings and uh, you get immediate benefits from smashing. Maybe you'll get a heal, or you'll get a victory point, or you'll get an energy, or whatever. Uh, but when you do that, you are now releasing troops that will attack anybody inside of that burrow. Looks like a ton of fun. I haven't gotten to play it yet, specifically because I did not buy it, because our family has a do-not-buy-in-November-or-later rule. You're not allowed to buy things for yourself after November 1st. The game came out right about then. So... I will tell you this. The craziest thing about this game was at Gen Con. They have have a program called The Very Important Gamer, which lets people in ahead of time. Between The Very Important Gamers and the other dealers, King of New York sold out before (laughs) the con. Before the show even opened. Nice. Their day one sale items were gone before the doors opened. That's how much hype this game has. So I can't say that I've had a chance to play it yet. I wish I did, because apparently it's awesome. But I understand, if nothing else, on hype alone, I would say it deserves to be on the list. Nice. So what is your number two? My number two is a game that... Uh, I actually saw, you know, speaking of Gen Con, I actually saw there, but I didn't play it, and I wish I did. I wish I had fixed that problem. Luke, you know, the Settlers of Catan, even with the expansions, it's not so much a game of conflict. 
The no, conflict no. happens when you're, you know, when you cut somebody the off of the road. Or, and that's about right. It, yeah. But that's about it. Now, what happens if there was open medieval warfare on the island of Catan? You'd have a game called Hyperborea, is what you'd have. Mm. Uh, Hyperborea is about your first of all the the sculpt the little minis gorgeous each different player is a different race of this like mythical country or land or whatever it is i don't know much of the lore of hyperborea but basically you are going through and moving your guys across this landscape discovering what the the landscape has as you approach it so the the board is different every time it's it's very tiles like like Settlers of Catan is, but you're finding temples, you're taking over resources, you're developing your own nation, and the whole while it has this really neat mechanic. It it has like a a, a bag building mechanic where the more you develop certain aspects, the more cubes of that type you put in your bag, the more cubes you pull out get to be put towards different abilities, which help you expand and further into the game. Man. This looks awesome. There is it. It literally, to me, has that feeling of Settlers of Catan. If there was open medieval warfare, if you could take that guy who put the robber on your forest for the past seven turns and took an axe to his head, I yeah, I I really want this game bad. It looks gorgeous. It looks a ton of fun, and it has a lot of replayability because of the fact that it's got the modular board. I wonder if it's the Hyperborea of Greek mythology. I'm sure there's overlap. I I couldn't tell you, though. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Luke, your number two? My number two, uh, maybe not everybody would want, but it is very specific to me. uh, And that's Power Grid's new deluxe edition. Because I love Power Grid. And why not have the awesome version? Especially if you don't (laughs) have to buy it from yourself. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you need to sell it anymore. Power Grid is awesome. Why not have the awesome version? That's, <laughs> right. that's that, all you that's, need. That's the end of the conversation. So here we go. The big one. Number one. What do you want most for Christmas this year? Mike Perna. Now this is not surprising to anyone. This is not a out of nowhere thing. Not only because it's one of the most popular games in existence right now. It is also from my all-time favorite plaid hat. The only reason I didn't own this game already was because I was scared because the theme is one of those iffy kind of scenarios in the Perna household due to some some things that make my wife uncomfortable. However, tonight I was talking about a a picture that uh, Marty from over at Rolling Dice and Taking Names put up of him playing... Dead of Winter. I wondered. <laughs> and he was... I, I go, oh, look, it's funny, because one of the characters is a stunt dog, and he's a dog with a cape, and he's doing awesome things. That's that's awesome. And my wife's like, like, what game is that? And I says, Dead of Winter. And he, she goes, oh, that, I've heard you mention that one. That one's one you want, isn't it? I go, yeah, but it has zombies. It's kind of full of zombies. And she kind of gave me the hint of, you know, maybe you should get that one. And that put every green light in my head. Uh, it's hard to find right now because everybody's bought it. And everybody was super hyped for it. It's the first of the Crossroad games. I will tell you what, I will be so super happy if a copy of Dead of Winter is under the Christmas tree. Because I finally got the okay to own it and I want it. <laughs> Nice. Uh, you know, what's funny is, uh, I, you know, you're talking, I was like, I kind of assumed that that's, when you said Plaid Hat, that's what it was going to be. Uh, so I went over to the Plaid Hat website. Uh, there are Mice and Mystic plushies. Yes, there are. I have to have one. <laughs> for my children, of course. For Clearly, clearly for the girls, clearly. For the children, Yes. <laughs> Awesome. All right, all right, Luke. What's number one? Mice and Mystic plushies aside, what's number one? <laughs> I don't know. This one seems fairly obvious to me, but it is Star Wars Imperial Assault. I would have been surprised and shocked <laughs> if it was anything other than that. One, it's expensive. 
Okay, it's an expensive board game. Uh, this is one of those $70, $75 board games. I think it just actually came out like a couple of days ago. Uh, it's been one of those games that was not supposed to come out until first quarter 2015, and then we got news that it was arriving early, but there was a little nebulous in, as to when it was, but uh, I did look on cool stuff today, and it's not a pre-order, it's a buy now. But, for those who don't know, this is a game based on the Descent engine. Uh, well, speaking about Mice and Mystics, it's very similar to Mice and Mystics, except set in the Star Wars world. Um, one player... Uh, actually, there are two modes to this game. The kind of main mode, the campaign mode, uh, it's... It, it really is... It's like an old... It's like a and uh, d 4.0, but less. Um... Uh, and it, so where one player plays the Imperials and is running the the campaign, and another player, uh, the other players play rebels uh, that are using their abilities to work through a board uh, and explore a map where things happen. Uh, enemies show up. Uh, there are various mission criteria. Uh, one of the things I think is really cool about this game is they've worked super hard to do the replayability on this. So, a game like Mice and Mystics. Mice and Mystics, once you've played through the campaign, there's really no reason to go back and do it again. It's awesome, but you've done it. The story doesn't change. Here, uh, through by giving side missions and main missions that branch based on how you did on the previous mission, the story will play itself out very differently. Of course, they are going to have expansion stories, they already have what they call ally packs, which uh, allow some new characters, uh, but more importantly, new side missions to come into the game. One of the things I really like about this game is that you are not playing as the Star Wars heroes. Uh, you're playing as just Star Wars archetypes. Um, and the minis are amazing, and the boards are amazing. You know which miniature you have to bring up. Well, that's the ATST. For yeah. goodness sake, it's like seven inches tall. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have to actually build it because it can't fit in a box when it's fully assembled. And they just know that nobody's going to put it back in the box. They're going to put it on the shelf. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it's this is my kind of game. It is a dungeon run, which is my one of my favorite kind of experiences. Star Wars eyes, like, I mean, I, I'm I'm going kind of giddy for this game. I really want it. I'm hoping I can convince my family to play it with me, against me, I suppose, since I will probably be the one running it. I love that there's a campaign book that you should not look through because you play as it's happening and you read through the campaign book as you're playing, so that it is a surprise to everybody what is coming. Um, boy, howdy, do I do I need this game? <laughs> well, and you know they're going to build up on it because all you have to oh, do is sure. look up. All you have to do is look at what they've already done with Descent, right? And see the, the adding the lieutenants, and they're just coming out with a f- a full new campaign book for Descent. And well, and it's really cool because all you have to do is buy a new campaign book, right? You know, a lot of, and it's a whole new game. That's awesome. Yeah, of course you're going to want to buy the ally packs because they come with new minis and they come with new, new, new characters and, and new cards and new, 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 new But, <laughs> but the campaign books, that changes things. It makes this more into a system, a board. It's not a role playing game, though. You no, do it's level a straight up. It you is do a level straight char- up dungeon crawl. <laughs> but you, I mean, you do level characters, and those characters maintain their level from, from session to session um, but it's not a, a role playing game in which you know you're, you've got extensive character creation uh, your characters are pre-made um, and role playing doesn't uh, affect the outcome of the game you can role play of course but it doesn't affect the outcome of the game um, and so what you have instead it's, it's really a board game dungeon crawl system and all of those words make me happy especially together <laughs> so that go. is uh, that is the game store profits top 10 
things we want for Christmas. I think between the two of us, we've we probably hit a thousand bucks somewhere in there. Uh, Dude, you don't you don't ever talk numbers. <laughs> don't don't give me the odds. Uh, we're we're talking about Christmas lists. You don't talk the numbers on these things. Yeah. So uh, I'll tell you one other thing though that we are getting for Christmas this year, and we won't get into too much detail because it's kind of boring. But in Rhodes Ministries. I think by Christmas will exist in the eyes of the government. Yeah, that that's the goal. And as long as I, the I, I, as long as the U.S. mail and whoever signs the bureaucratic documents <laughs> is okay, then uh, then yeah, pr- by the end of the year we should be legit. And uh, that is a huge step uh, for building Inroads Ministries. Um, and you know, it's this is one of those things. I think next year is going to be a year in which we... I mean, this year we created the thing, essentially, this year. Yeah. Um, and next year, it is really going to be its birth year, I think. Uh, everything up until this point, is we're still on alpha for inroads. Uh, but, uh, we're, we're moving into beta. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's coming soon, and uh, that that is really cool. Yeah, definitely. It has been an absolutely crazy year, and I don't. I want to save the mushiness for next episode where we talk about our end of the year favorite awards type stuff. And I don't want to get too much in that. But I'm, the short version is: it has been a crazy, terrifying, busy, and bureaucratic nightmare of a year. But man, it is. It's leading to some awesome stuff, and I'm super excited about that. It is, and you know, we really have been, uh, you know blessed in a way and I think it's just super appropriate that Kings of Israel would be on your Christmas list this year um, because to me it does say something about how these two worlds are coming together in a way that uh, they really never have before and uh, you know typically about this point in the episode we start talking about the spiritual side and it's kind of tough to do with the, I mean we, yeah we could talk Christmas and Remind everybody that Jesus is the reason for the season, and He's the real gift, and you, all of those kind of things. You don't, you don't need us to say that because every radio person and every preacher from mm-hmm. now until Christmas will be telling you that, and they are all absolutely right. Yes, they are. But I'll tell you, for us, this this coming together of these two worlds is it's really a great gift, you know. And I think it's a really awesome thing that's happening. You know, I just love the fact that man. Somebody in Germany, I think, was like, yes, "Hey, you he want to play a game together?" Like Germany. Yes, if, Hello? You, if you're talking about the gentleman that that I think you're talking about, yeah, he is a, a missionary well. Yeah, you connected me with him, so yeah, he, he's a missionary in Germany, and now Luke will be playing with him uh, in Marvel Dice Masters. So, you know, but, I mean, th- that stuff is so awesome, and uh, just thrilled. I hope I get some of these games for Christmas so I can talk about them on this show. Yeah, we, you know we'll be talking about them anyway. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it would actually be nice to have them and to be able to talk about them firsthand. But, yeah. Absolutely. So, man, next episode uh, we will be coming back and talking about our end-of-the-year choices. But, uh, so, until then, everybody, Merry Christmas. Go to inroadsministries.com. Find everything that you need to find about us. Go to you, go to YouTube now. Check out Inroads Plays. Jeff has been doing an amazing job on Dude, these videos. He's awesome. He's an awesome DM. Awesome. But the the work that he's put in, I think these we he's got potential to take the whole live play thing to the next level. Okay. I was. I was I was very happy. basically when we first started putting down these videos, I, I pointed him to a guy who who's been doing them for a while, and I said, "Look, I don't want to copy this guy, but I think we can reach this kind of professionalism and, and make it look like distinctly us." So I said, "Jeff, that is your job. Come up with something." And I I fed him a bunch of pictures that he could use, and I, I gave him like the, the the nuts and bolts of it, and I said, "Make this work. Do something awesome. I know you can." And good. Golly, has he come back with a vengeance and and done a really good job on these things. So definitely check them out. I yeah. believe there's three and, sessions online right now. Check them out. And believe it or not, they are still a work in progress. He's coming up with crazy new ways and things to do stuff. He's learning as fast as he can. 
to be able to make these things happen. So very, very cool. So yeah, check us out there. Uh, check us out on the Tavern, on Facebook, go to iTunes, tell everybody in the world that we are amazing. But, my ah, friend, I think the last piece of pecan pie is calling my name. Oh, so good. So good. The so king folks... of pies. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, for this Christmas, remember that God is the Game Master. And no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>